welcome to the Off the Road Again podcast. My name is Chris. G'day from Australia, it's Joel. And this is Robbie up in Wisconsin. Uh, and this is our podcast about anything and everything off-road. Uh, literally, you have to say g'day, don't you? Like, I, I think it's a law. Yeah, it pretty much is. The Americans just <laughs> love to hear it. They just love to hear our accent. It adds an extra bit of swag to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a regular listener, you'll notice that there is a voice missing tonight. Uh, it turns out Ross got the flu. So, uh, yeah, we're going to let him keep that. And uh, we're going to do the show without him. I hope it's not coronavirus. Silent, oh, silently mumbling. I know. I know. <laughs> Dude, the, somebody was like, there's supposedly, I have a friend whose dad just came back from Beijing. And he's he's stuck in his house now. His dad is for 14 days. Oh, boy. His other son and wife are now staying with my friends <laughs> because they don't want to be around him. <laughs> Because they don't also want to be quarantined for another fourteen days. Like, yeah, that's just one person. Like, I can't imagine an entire cities going through that. But. No, it would not be pleasant yeah. at all. Say so that's probably about as topical as we're ever going to get. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a safe bet. Yeah. So, if you listened to two episodes ago, you've met Joel, photographer, cinematographer. Cinematographer is fancier than videographer, isn't it? Well, cinematographer is more arty. Than videographer <laughs> videographer is probably more doing the general bits and pieces weddings parties anything kind of thing and a cinematographer is creating art and films and things like that i would say i i would argue the drift squid video was pretty close to art <laughs> it was artistic yes <laughs> uh and then joining us tonight for the first time is robbie de graf uh our local person who's closest to road america who literally flaunts it every year <laughs> mm-hmm. yes i am lucky to live only about 45 minutes from that track and it is my absolute favorite place to be in the summertime so i'm crushed that this spring mama or the midwest event is up there mm-hmm. isn't it in elkhart lake it is and, it will be and we do a two-day event where we have on track driving as well as two by the way, two off-road courses this year. Um, one yeah, for like the hardcore off-roaders, and one for like the the more outdoorsy-themed cars. And I'm a hundred percent out of PTO time. Oh no! Well, that's <laughs> what that that my friend is when you need to use sick time. Well, that's that's book two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah, I, I I've got a trip in in April that uh, I'm not quite ready to talk about yet, but we will definitely be discussing on the podcast at some point. So sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, Jeff Jeff uh, Glucker had to go to the New York Auto Show, and so an opportunity came up, and I think I'm going on it because I don't. I think it literally Ooh. was up between me and Ross of who had like more available time. And I think Ross was short on time, so I think I pulled it off. But oh, win, win. it did it did max me out for the year. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me something, Robbie. Why on earth is it called Road America? Shouldn't it be called like Road Wisconsin, like as like Road Atlanta is? That's a great question. I think the problem is if they named that track Road Wisconsin, races would not be able to be held because there would be literally goddamn potholes around every corner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've I've driven Road America a couple times, and it is a, it's a fantastic track, and it is such a 
special place to be, like all the history that goes behind it. And it's also in one of the most beautiful parts of Wisconsin. You're in this like wooded hillside. Um, I tell you, when they do like the, the endurance racing up in the fall, like watching cars fly down like the main straight with like, you know, crimson and copper colored leaves falling is just, it's really just like a heavenly feeling. Um, so you could name it Road Wisconsin, but I don't know if you'd be getting IMSA and, you know, the vintage bikes to get out there. I mean, that, that would be easy. Be, you could probably do some 4 by 4 driving out there for sure. Have you read, uh, is it The Last Open Road? No, and I have not. And I, I tell you this, at every local car show or cruise night you go to in Wisconsin, you probably see two or three of those, like, The Last Open Road stickers on the back of, like, a Triumph TR6 or, like, a Spitfire. Um, that is on my list of books to read. I do need to pick one of those up. This is a book that I think I need to read by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've only gotten like halfway through it, but like short synopsis, dude uh, based in New York, works at a mechanic's garage, but then like happens his way into doing his own repairs and upkeep on uh, Jaguar XK, like 120s, 140s. Uh, and then eventually like gets a service manual kind of thing. But they end up in Elkhart Lake with C-classes or D-class Jag race cars kind of stuff. And so, like, I think from that and then just the history of that area, I I think somebody was like, yeah, this is this is America's race course. Before we had Circuit of the Americas, mm-hmm. like, Elkhart Lake has been, I mean, it's been around since, what, the 30s? Oh, yeah. 20s? Probably, yeah, probably around that time. Um one of the yeah i by the way joel i'd recommend that book i haven't read it but i've paged through some of it and it's just like i've just like it's, uh, spectacular. Yeah, just, look, just looked it up it's uh, on my reading list for my trip uh, next month i think now mm-hmm. perfect yeah i think it was around before a lot of the courses in california i think that's why it, i think that's it back to the 50s first race held mm-hmm. on the 23rd of july in 1950 yeah. Speaking of speaking of old racetracks, I do want to make a shameless plug for uh, I don't know if you know this, but the oldest continual oh, I'm not going to say this right the oldest continuous wow we're going to have to edit this out the oldest nope it's staying in <laughs> the oldest <laughs> racetrack in the country with continuous races happening every single year and it might even be the oldest racetrack in the world with that is in fact in Milwaukee it's the Milwaukee Mile it's a mile-long speedway like an oval um and they've done nascar races there i believe they've done indycar um it's not as popular and busy as it used to be but there's usually a couple events happening there every month but that is in fact the oldest operating there we go that's a simple way of saying it the oldest operating racetrack (laughs) um in the united states if not the world so that's another cool thing not many people know about the milwaukee mile and it's a pretty 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 cool place yeah, it was big yeah, in IndyCar for a while, I think, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sweet. So, let's get into our first topic here. Uh, I have a group that I'm a part of on Facebook that generally puts in overlandy and off-roady things, and somebody posted the Holden Jack 8 concept, and I don't know where he found it or how he found it, but it is ridiculous. <laughs> I even Joel was like, "Where is that? Where'd you find that?" Yeah, I haven't seen it. Like I've been across a lot of the, and of course, obviously, it's a, you know since I was last on, we've obviously had the sad news that 
Holden is actually going to close here in Australia mm. and the brand is is no more. So maybe it's someone that someone had found it and, and decided to, to throw it in to to discuss that. But yeah, like the, the Jackaroo was big in big in the days back in um yeah, back in those days. But Holden was always great at building concept cars. Some of the concept cars they had built over the years uh, are just amazing and this is just one of them <laughs> in that period of when they were building these set of cars it's uh it's pretty cool yeah and the best part is is this concept was released waiting for another concept to be ready and i'm, I'm going to try and drop it in the show notes real fast because in the research i found uh they said <laughs> that this jack eight was literally until the cross eight the cross would be eight. ready to go which if you can look at the google doc i just pasted it in there oh oh look at that that looks fantastic. yeah that's cool and they, the thing is like the jack eight <laughs> was a concept that they talk about in the in the article that uh that chris will throw on the show notes but it's no one knows where it is now they reckon it's been broken down it's finished the cross eight even though it's a concept was turned into an actual vehicle they are still available to buy. Well, not they were. They were sold in Australia in a couple of different configurations, and HSV even turned one into. I think it was called the Avalanche, which was a, a hotted up version mm. of that Cross Eight. But there was one for sale the other day in in one of the sort of Facebook groups that I was in. One of these Cross Eight two door, uh, four door Utes was for sale, and they're still out there in, in the market. But yeah, they were they made a wagon version as well. So. For oh, our friends of mine that are wagon fans, it's um yeah that was pretty cool as well. Was the production yeah, car always. called the Crossout? Uh, it was called what was it? Crewman. It was called Crewman. Okay. Yeah. That's a good little name for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was which was good because it was a, it made good sense. Ford or Ute. Um, uh, it was based off the. Uh, the Commodore at the time, and yeah, it was it was pretty popular, pretty cool, a light, cool, cool thing. So um, yeah, and it was even they even had a um, a um, all-wheel drive version as well. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I have so many questions about the the interior of this, of the interior. Of this <laughs> the you know you've of which one the Cross Eight of the uh, the the Jack Eight. Which by the way, do we think it's like jacket or jack eight mm. like i'm curious well, does it say that. what engine was in it chris uh five, it's, seven it's a five seven v8 yeah so it'd be cross eight so it'd be a cross b8 huh okay which also by the jack way eight, which would be jack sorry uh, jack eight which would be for the um v8 okay so i was i was hoping joel's accent would actually like make it into jacket mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That could be a, that could be a fun game. Just find random concept cars and have Joel pronounce the names and see if it. <laughs> but he's right. Like I, I, I enjoy the accent. Part of that is so. I don't think I've I don't think I've said it on the podcast yet. But like as a kid, I lived in Thailand for two and a half years, mm-hmm. and so the the school I went to was run by expats, but so British expats. But like the kids I attended with were like some Australian kids and other like, just so. If you get me an English, a Scottish, an Australian, or a New Zealand accent, like, I'm down. Like, I just want to listen to all of it. Even the Irish sometime. But, like, really, like, Aussie and New Zealand, like, I can... And I'm good enough that I can pretty much tell the difference. <laughs> Which is the hard part. Oh, yeah. 
But the interior, uh, like the best. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. No, you, no, you're, you're still good. you're still on your soap opera about that. I'm sorry about that. That's all. <laughs> <you. laughs> no, <laughs> no. Soap opera or soapbox? Oh, That's two different oh, things. Touché, touché. <laughs> no, the interior for sure. You've got this. You got these like AutoZone looking pedal covers. Oh, they they'd be they're like Momo design. The guy with the steering wheel. That was oh, the fashion oh, that is back a that is days. a Momo steering wheel. You're right. I'm guilty of having those on a, on one of my cars around that same period. Really? Okay. That's a very similar steering wheel and pedals not as big as that, but yeah, I had them on uh, one of my cars, but probably precursor to Fast and the Furious days. <laughs> See the the radio is like the actual stereo is what caught my eye because it looks like an aftermarket unit yeah. like it doesn't look like they just put a hold in i think it's it looks like it's a clarion head unit from but mm-hmm. looks from there oh and we will say only good things about clarion because the land cruiser needs some love shameless <laughs> plug hey <laughs> plug, plug away if you can you know, uh, find something to put uh, in it any Anytime Clarion wants to come to the Midwest with a stereo. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, if you look at the inside of this thing, like, say if you happen to break down or snap an axle somewhere, I mean, you would be entertained forever. You've got, <laughs> uh, you've got a, a, you've got a CD player. You've got the C, You see the CB radio below it. Yeah, yeah you got a CB, well, and then you, you got to know where you broke down. Yeah, and you got the old school. And then that gar- that, I, that, I think it's a gap. Is it a Garmin? Yeah, I think it's a Garmin unit by the looks of it. That design from that era, like that's pretty high tech for back in that that day. Mm-hmm. That was probably a thousand dollar piece piece of equipment. Oh, at right least there. I reckon Easily. back then. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not so sure about the leather seats though. I think you probably want. Dude, I think those little, look crazy yes. comfortable. They look extremely comfortable, but <laughs> there's no roof. So how does leather do with nope. lots of rain and weather, and or are we just out overthinking it? I think you're definitely overthinking it. It's a concept. Okay. <laughs> I do want to say those seats well, look fantastic. The the seats look great, but like the rear seat kind of has a roof because of where the spare tire sits. Like yeah, true. <laughs> it's all. It's like uh, like if you lean together in the rear seat, it could be a roof. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so cool. Like it's got that typical Holden front on it. Um. You know, that was the Jackaroo look in the day. I have a friend who um, tells wonderful stories uh, about taking his father's one of those and taking it off-road and uh, getting a little bit dirty. But, you know, the typical Adolf thing of when you uh, you take something to borrow it and then you bring it back and you clean it, but you forget to clean under the bonnet when you've been <laughs> driving off-road and uh, people see underneath and... Uh, suddenly realized that yeah it had been off-road that engine picture is in, is nuts that just looks it looks like a supercar <laughs> engine of the of the day carbon fiber those, valve covers yeah intake manifold is it? yeah well, they're your intake is manifold. that like a velocity stack like there was it's almost it's v8 supercars yeah. that had similar looking engines to that that's just insane hmm. i'd be so worried about like off-roading and having a stone fly up and just chip that carbon fiber and have it sucked into the engine <laughs> <laughs> Just gone. <laughs> yeah, trying to get it fixed. Yeah, not so good. Oh, back then, like God. carbon fiber back in those days, you know, it's not as readily as what it is these days. So, mm-hmm. well, and it, have you guys seen the rear three quarter shot? Yes, yeah. I was just gonna say something about that. What do you notice? Of like, well, like obviously, like they've well, they took out the rear doors and like made it all one piece. But like, why is the line two inches higher than the front door? Oh yeah, 
Oh, you're right. It gets and it it wraps around and there's no tailgate. That's no. a solid piece of metal mm-hmm. on the back. Yeah. It looks good though. It does need yeah, a tailgate. It's not terrible. Though. I mean, clearly, and and uh, side exhaust. Yeah. Just in front of that rear That tire. is the yeah. tiniest side exhaust pipe I've ever seen <laughs> on a concept car. Usually concept cars, they're just like blaring and gigantic. But this looks... So, Subdued. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I love it, though, because like, I love the way that the Zuzu Trooper looks from that era, and this just like makes it even more badass. Hmm. Yeah. It's fun. Mm. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I feel like if there's a company now that understands this style of concept vehicle, it would be FCA with with Ram. Like, I feel like we've seen similar style things modernized in the last three to five years other than the Easter Jeep concepts. They are always cool to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My favorite is still the Ford Control. It'll always be the Ford Control. The forward control pickup that they put out was at like 2012. It's just so good. I really want to drive this thing. This just looks fun. I just like how it's called Jacket. <laughs> no, it's Jacket. But actually, if you look at the front number plate, it actually has the Jack with the V in front of it for Jack V8. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that. Uh, it's like even a hyphen. That forward control concept is all kinds of cool, Chris. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, Anytime we write a Jeep article, if I can get a picture of it in there, I generally do. <laughs> so here's a question about, one last question about this this uh, this fantastic beast we're looking at. Okay, so I'm going to assume that spare tire weighs a fuck ton. <laughs> yeah, can you it, imagine? It's, it, it's <laughs> Mickey, Mickey Thompson rubber, and so that's decent tire. Uh-huh. It's not going to be overly light, no. So no, it's a sixteen-inch wheel too. So that has to be a disaster trying to get that down <laughs> without taking <laughs> the, uh, the paintwork oh. off the back well, of it. Yeah, yeah, because well, you, you don't even have a tailgate no, to stand no. on. No, I feel like you would just ta- attach a toe strap around it, pull, and just hope you don't, you know, lose your tire and it goes rolling down the side of a cliff or something. <laughs> Especially if you're on a trail somewhere. Oh God. Yeah. Mm-mm. So. Thanks, thanks, Kenny. Thanks for posting that up for yeah, us. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> Nobody knows Kenny. Uh, so our next topic came up again today. Uh, it, it is a recurring joke on the podcast that we talk about what we think we know about the new Ford Bronco. And we're there again. <laughs> but we don't have long to wait. So, you know, it's, it's, end of, it's almost March, so. Yeah, so spring debut, hopefully. Possibly next month, hopefully, because we're getting a Hummer EV in May, so Ford needs to get on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, everything else will be out in the world. But the the rumored uh, headline recently was that it's probably going to get the 2.7 liter EcoBoost, which with a little bit of research, uh, Bozy, who we talk about way too often on this podcast because he just knows so much. So <laughs> at Hoonable on Twitter literally tweeted this back in uh, November of 2019 talking about the Baja race engine and he thought that was the 2.7 EcoBoost in that truck which Ford has done before with taking a uh, Baja race truck putting in whatever engine was then to go into a production model and the race truck first 
So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see, particularly when what well taking that one to to Baja and doing the stuff with that. It's uh, it's interesting, but hurry up and just release it. We all want to see it. <laughs> we all want to. I think particularly well for you guys, you'll actually get it. And there's unfortunately it's not going to come here, which is a shame. But the other one that's that, that's starting to drip out is the Junior Bronco, um, which you guys were uh, talking about recently as well. So. Um, the baby bronco so i've been intrigued to see what happens there and i think that was a i think they slipped a name into the article today about what the baby bronco was going to be called possibly Let's see if i can find that super fast maverick which is what got me to that other thing maverick. yeah nope totally missed on that one <laughs> but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and you know the progress and and how and how it happens so yeah the one other takeaway i had in that article is there was a patent that ford has applied for to remove the outer door skin and leave structural pieces in place like you know you see on some jeep wranglers well they'll take the doors off and then they'll put in like tubular doors yeah or like the the netting doors but it's obviously a, a uh, more advanced version of it in the way that it works. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, and I'm a not... safer, safer version as well, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the other thing that came out was that uh, they hinted at repackable uh, airbags. Uh-huh. So, like, if you're on the trail and you <laughs> roll off. it and, and it goes off, you're still miles away. And now you have these airbags in your visual line of sight. So you hardly have to stuff it back in. You can stuff it back. I mean, obviously, it's not going to redeploy as an airbag, but you would at least be able to stuff it back in. Hold one into two, two into three, (laughs) three into four. Oh, Robbie has something to say. Good evening. Question. Do you think... This is the only only thing I'm going to say about the Bronco. Um, But do you suppose if they do this packable airbags, if you forget your inflatable pillow... <laughs> what are you just gonna roll it up onto a hill or something and try and set one of them up? Yeah, do you think people will purposely try and roll their Bronco? Because like, oh, I forgot my pillow at home. Whoop, uh, and then like, there you go. I told I told a story on last week's uh, show, which should be out tomorrow, uh, about uh, in the Orlando Jeep Club. I knew a guy who on across across the top of his windshield in upside down letters spelled the word flipper. Because he's rolled enough Jeeps enough times that that's what the entire club called him. I don't know what his actual name was. I called him Flipper for two years. <laughs> I just can't get the I image like of the, dolf- like the dolphin out of my head. <laughs> you know, that, st- that that stupid dolphin from the 90s? Like, <laughs> like whatever that dolphin was. From the 90s? That shows way older. Was it way older than that? <laughs> oh, God. Older than it's that. like 70s. <laughs> well, it's had a couple of re- re- uh, relaunches, but yeah. They even filmed a yeah. season out here, I think, on the Gold Coast. Really? Brian, Brian Regan has a great joke about the show Flipper, except he's like, he wanted it to be a surly dolphin, except his name would be Zipper. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Brian Regan is, just, Brian just go down hilarious. that rabbit hole. He's... It's worth it. <laughs> very unique uh, sound and cadence. Uh, the other thing that is newsworthy today is uh, it's up on YouTube now. You can watch uh, Stadium Super Trucks racing in Adelaide. 
and they're perfect. <laughs> it's good to have them back. I'll never get tired. After the issues and problems that they had with our governing body of motorsport last year and whatever else, they've put all that behind her and they're back. And that's the main thing. So, so the fans in Adelaide were very happy to, uh, to see them back on. They had great racing. And uh, yeah, it's very cool. On so the issues with the governing body is it literally that these trucks just look like pure chaos sometimes, and that that bothered them? Were they tearing up racetracks? No, no, it was. It's never been a problem in that respect. It was just a safety concern that they've had over time, and and a few other issues and and whatever else. But um, uh, you know, there were a couple of accidents that they had and and stuff that they were a bit concerned about. You know, the wheels becoming loose on. Uh, a Queensland round and, and things like that but um, uh, yeah, I mean when it's, it's hard because it's, like... it's a series that was created um, created in America and then you bring it to Australia and you've got to then go to our rules for events and stuff like that and so it took them a little bit just to get their head around it and whatever else and, and um, Robbie Gordon has obviously been quite good in dealing with the guys at what was cams the confederation of, of motorsport but it's now called motorsport australia um but yeah the main thing is they've sorted it out and um and it's doing well and we had a great lineup on the weekend so um matt mingo who was in, badly injured in a crash a couple of years ago was was back in the, the hot wheels truck and he was doing really well so um yeah he's uh he's a he's a great guy and it's great to see <laughs> you know maddie brabham is an absolute star the aussie slash american uh who's been doing really well in it as well he's been leading quite a few of the, the races that did really well last year so um he's he's last year's champion isn't double he it, yeah he's, he is he won the series yeah and he uh he's done well again this year taking uh starting off as well so um but yeah it's good it's good to see and yeah the races were uh were very entertaining to watch as well did, well and they're not long no they're they're only like eight to ten laps and there's a competition caution at lap five to tighten everybody back up and the best is if you're the fastest truck in qualifying, you start at the back of the field. So they have a reverse grid from qualifying, so it, you get a lot of passing. There's mm. a lot going on. Yeah, and the jump. But of course, uh, the jumps are cool as well, which makes for amazing images. Some of the stuff I've seen come out of late is just brilliant. And they put one on the main straight, and for the guys and the spectators in the grandstand, it's it's pretty cool to see. When, like, literally the trucks are as high in the air as the people yeah, in the grain stands. they're literally like, at eye level with the drivers because they just get that much air. It's just unbelievable. They actually are going to do it again at Road America this year. So they started bringing the stadium trucks to Road America about maybe th- two or three years ago. Um, I have not gone to a race, but I've seen pictures and videos of it from various outlets as well as friends. And it just looks absolutely bonkers because they put yeah they put these little jumps like towards like the main straight as they're like flying up into the main straight where you know like in an indie car you're getting close to like 200 miles an hour and these trucks are literally flying halfway across the track it's just (laughs) it looks absolutely insane and it looks i just checked and it looks like road america is going to be doing it again this year in july um so i'm oh, sorry not in july in august uh first weekend of august august 6th to the 8th so i am definitely going to try and get up there <laughs> yeah so if if you haven't seen them before it's basically a spec racing series all the trucks are the same tube chassis they all have like 600 horsepower chevy ls v8s they have a three-speed uh 
It's like I think it's a shiftable automatic. If you look inside the truck, I think they literally can just bounce yeah, the. Yeah, they are changing a fair three. bit with it, but yeah, and then obviously that hydraulic handbrake, which is they need for tight street <laughs> circuit stuff as well. Yeah, and so the trucks on the trucks weigh less than three thousand pounds. Like the, so like the the concern that the motors, motoring body had was like there's a a cage specifically over the driver, and then there's like the rest of the cage that makes up the body of the truck. Like the the whole thing is literally a cage. Yeah, and it's it, they're they're well built. They're, 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 you might get to the end with no body panels, but they're, <laughs> they're so rigid and strong that they'll still be together at the end. Yeah, which they can replace body panels. That's yeah, actually they do half. The you time. can tell <laughs> early in like some of the early years, like where the series wasn't as well funded, like they didn't have replacement body panels. So by like race two and three. You'd have some like really nice looking trucks, and then there would just be some skeletal remains on the rest of the grid. <laughs> trucks still working, yeah. like they're still going. Not going to stop. Tape that's everywhere. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no. They're just straight strip tubes. Uh, and I think uh, early on, like you had, you got one set of tires for a weekend. So like, if they had three races in a weekend, they only had one set of. of uh, I think their early sponsor was like Toyo. Oh man, I can't talk tonight. Toyo. And so they would have to, like, you'd have to kind of, like, pick and choose which race. You're like, all right, this is a race I'm going to use at the tires, and the rest of the weekend I'll just not be as good. Or you could go slow the first two and then go crazy in the third one. It was kind of interesting because there's no pit stops, but it's just a different take on strategy. Is there any off-road part of the actual challenge itself? So it's all on track. Yeah. Well, it started out with off-road uh, bits mm-hmm. and I know it like at Indy they have there's a part of the course is like an off-road dirt course mm-hmm. but when the series really took off in popularity was like the first time they went to like I think Toronto with IndyCar mm-hmm. and they ran before IndyCar they just put out these steel ramps and started doing jumps in them on the street circuit and somebody on Australia went yes we want to see that <laughs> and then the the series went down there yeah and since literally going to toronto and then going uh to australia and back that's when the series has kind of gained more and they took detroit and a couple of others as well i think too yeah i think now they have a really good calendar Mm. of like indycar events and because it's it's almost like it's it's as it works for indie fans because it's racing but it works for american fans because it's like half a monster truck that's a perfect way so to explain it. Half a month. It's just the combination of everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're doing. So they do Adelaide, Long Beach. Then they're coming back for Perth for our round in May. And then they do Toronto in July, Elkhart Lake in August, then Mid Ohio in mid August, Portland in September. Lake. I'm going to get crucified for this. Lake Ilsnor. <laughs> Ilsnor in california in october and then they come back to australia for gold coast at the end of the year but it says down the bottom one additional event to be a so i can promise you it won't be here in the midwest <laughs> hey we have ours at elkhart lake which by the way if you're listening elkhart lake is road america some people get that mixed <laughs> yep. up some people think yeah. it's a separate racetrack but no <laughs> So that's a good it's the calendar. Town where we're like, you know, they're, they're back here three times. So, do three different uh, events around the country. So. I can only imagine that they have packing down to a science. Oh yeah. To ship that, or do they literally just have a contingent of those chassis over there already and just not 
They Mark might. With, with the three rounds this year, I know that Paul Morris um, is quite heavily involved with them. Um, and he has a facility on the Gold Coast, which I've been to, which is a, t a small test track and sort of workshop facility. So he might be keeping a contingent of them here because there's three rounds. It would make more sense to just chip them um, around. But they might even... Because the races are like, what, 12 trucks apiece? Yeah. Like, so, so uh, yeah. I, considering, I think Robbie Gordon's company manufactures the chassis. Yeah. So if he if he could produce twenty four, mm. bam! There's Australia's. Yeah. There's everything else you're going to move around in the states. It would make sense because I know they were shipping them back and forth, but it would probably make sense for them to leave here. So yeah, it would be pretty great. Yeah. So um, speaking of what we hope will be pretty great, <laughs> <laughs> generally when you say the word gimbala, I stop paying attention. Really. Oh, you need to go yeah, and have... I actually I, did some research before jumping on tonight. I went and looked at their website because uh, the press release has a very interesting point, which I'll get to. Um, okay. But some of their old stuff is, like, nuts. Oh, yeah. It's very <laughs> cool. It's like, what's that yeah. other... Uh, Mansori? Yes. Yes. It's like Mansori <laughs> on... It's like Mansori on crack. That's essentially well, what Mansori are the is the later generation, and... Gambala's the rad generation of, of mm, you know, mm -hmm. building and modifying <laughs> Porsches, so. I'm going to look something up so, and see if Gambala actually made a version of this. If they did, I'm going to lose my okay. mind. <laughs> so keep keep talking. I'll chime back in in a second. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and basically get through the press release really fast. Is that literally Gambala's coming out with what looks to be an off-road supercar. The image has faint uh, hints at a 99 to rear end uh, with what looks like a 959 inspired rear wing on top of it. We hope that's what comes out. We don't know yet, but we hope uh, it'll be amazing. Well, it's the line in it that talks about um, where is it? Um, oh, there was a great line that I read. I should have highlighted it. Um because obviously it's been the business is being now being created by Uis, who was unfortunately killed a few years ago. Um, it's being created by his son Mark. So Mark Philip Gambala GmbH is the name of the company. Hmm. So Mark, uh, he's he, coming out ten years after his his dad passed away. But the interesting thing is, is this new business has nothing to do with the original Gambala, which was sold after Uis' death. So it's issues, the if you look at the bottom of the press release, it says this press release is published by Mark Philip Gambala, and Mark Philip Gambala has does not associated in any form with Gambala or any of its subsidiaries or trademarks. Yui Gambala. All vehicles displayed in the above image were personally manufactured by Yui Gambala and are now privately owned by individuals. These individuals provided mm -hmm. Mark Philip Gambala GMH with the vehicles for this photo shoot, which is a shot of um, Mark standing on. Uh, a road somewhere in the Middle East with uh, a lineup of lovely-looking cars, um, with him standing in the middle. So um, interesting that he's sort of come off on his own to do his own thing. But the thing I was trying to find um, is the line says Gambala is taking the extreme from on-road to off-road, bearing his very first supercar combined with off-road capabilities in a limited small series run. Mm. 
So I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see that's where we're thinking all, you know, nine 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 one one Safari style of thing. Um but yeah, he's launching at the Geneva Motor Show, which is next week. Which is what all of the auto riders we've been talking about recently about maybe being quarantined in Geneva forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of glad I'm not going. I'm, I'm okay. very glad I'm not going. <laughs> I need to reach out to some of my auto friends to see who's going so they can send me some pictures of this car. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Speaking. Definitely let them go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Gambala, I'd like to introduce you all to, if I can get this image to paste, have you ever heard of, okay, we're having a technical difficulty. <laughs> I can see you'll, you know, see it sitting something there, Robbie, is but, it, uh, is, it, is it loading or? <laughs> no. You have a not. sweet magenta cursor, but that's it. <laughs> okay. Oh, 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 he's just deleted everything in the document. Oh no, he's posted some photos. Yes, okay. I have seen oh, that you before. Posted this. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Gembala so, slash Mansori looking Kayin. Uh, so this is the Gembala Tornado. <laughs> tornado, uh, I like I the wish name. It, it has a great I name, and it also hit it. it also has seven hundred and twenty-one horsepower. Yeah, because bad. that's necessary. <laughs> Do you say they and had a partnership with McLaren as well? That was quite interesting. No, I, I did not. Yeah. Feel free, if you want to lose some time for our audience, if you are interested in modified Porsches and stuff, go spend some time on the Gimbala website and just have a look at some of the stuff they created and look at the very rad 80s and 90s photos of their cars <laughs> and the photo shoots they did back then. It's very cool. Yeah, that's... As, as you referenced the photo of him standing there, I started trying to like look a little closer at like what Porsches are standing behind him. And the the front one, I can't tell if it's a. Is it a Ferrari? No, I think it's a. Oh, you're right. It might be an FS F F F X X. Or the FKK or whatever the one of those track only yeah. ones. And then obviously, something special about the yellow ones. Yeah, well, they're. Is that a slant um, nose? No, they look stubbier nose than that. Yeah, it's it's hard. But then the three in the back are, is that a 918? Yeah, they look all like, um, they're either based on Carrera GTs, possibly as well. They've got that very aggressive Carrera GT front. Yeah, I wish I could be, you know, 26 and just start producing performance cars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're, both those models are very different, the two yellow ones. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Yeah. The the under uh, the valance like under the nose is different on both of them. Yeah, and the right one's got a full roll cage in uh, uh, full no half cage in the back of it. Well, it looks and it looks well. like what's the uh, what do they call the roof on Alphas where it's kind of a bubble? It's not the gurney bubble, but oh like, yeah, on on the one on the left. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Got, looks like it's got two little. Um, well, I think it might be a soft top with a hard top added to it. Because the way that it overlaps okay. over the top of the um, the bodywork, yeah, the one on so. the right's far nicer than the one on the left with the yellows. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. I think we definitely spent enough time on Gambala. So hopefully they show up with an off-road supercar that we can send Jeff to go test. Because I don't, I don't actually want to test it. I just want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sure he would be more than willing to go do it. I want to drive that tornado. That thing looks great because it also looks yeah. like it would just. Li- I mean, if you look at the front grill, it would eat anything in its path. <laughs> what's what's a, a Lamborghini Urus? What's that horsepower number? Isn't it like 720? That is Simula Bullpock. Or is it? Or is it 680? Like it's. I know it's up there, but it's like it's not 761. Like. Searching, 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 searching. <laughs> 641. Okay. Okay. That's so close. This has 120 more horsepower. And Audi just came out with the new SQ7, which they are bringing here soon, and that's got about 40 horsepower less than that. Less than the 761 or the 640? 641. Where are you seeing 761? Didn't you say that about this? Oh, about the tornado. No, the no, The tornado no, no. 761, no, Tornado yeah. 761, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I don't know. Okay. That's definitely enough about... I, I will include the tornado in the show notes just so people can <laughs> uh, either enjoy it or vomit. Um, <laughs> could go either way. <laughs> uh, which brings us to the anomaly tonight is uh, Robbie. So get ready for the the grilling. Uh, (laughs) In the hot seat. Yes, definitely. I mean, hopefully it's warm. It's cold up there by you, so. Yeah, it's a lovely 20 degrees outside right now. Yeah, that was was about where we were today, too, Mm -hmm. so. Uh, How long have you been writing for uh, Hooniverse now? So I started writing when I was a, I believe, a senior in college. So back in 2011, um... I remember Joel. This is where we insert jokes about how young Robbie is. Now. Yeah. Dis- uh, disclaimer. So. Disclaimer. I turned thirty in less than a month, and I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, you, so you and Ross are the same age, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you and you and Ross make Joel, us feel very old. Joel and I are much older than you, <laughs> and, and Camille is old enough to be my grandfather, which is scary. <laughs> I know he's oh, gonna punch. Camille. I know he's gonna he's gonna punch me in the arm when I see him in New York in a couple months. But um, that that's the first Camille reference on the podcast. That oh, we might actually I should, to an a, I should want a trophy for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I started writing when I was a senior in college, and I remember the first thing I covered was the Chicago Auto Show. Um, I was able to get a press pass and go, and I just had a blast. And that was like my first real exposure at an auto show doing freelance um because i had been interning at cars.com for two years before that and then uh had a variety of different jobs ever since leaving college and ended up back in automotive about a year ago and i've been trying to do as much writing for universe as i can sometimes it gets a little busy um i looked the other night i feel like i've got like four or five very long posts that have been started and worked on but not finished so maybe that's a resolution for 2020 to tie some of those up what was your uh the one the most recent one that you started to mention i don't know where you mentioned it but it's it was incredibly intriguing i am do well i'm working on one right now about um it's kind of like a in-depth look at skiing in classic car advertising yes Um, that's what it was yeah and i that's cool uh, it it was hilarious because i i had the idea for the story about a week ago and it came at like 11 30 at night as i was finished doing dishes and i was like i want to write about this so i sat in my bed 
and wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and I took a break and then now I'm going to try and finish it up sometime this week. But yeah, I'm taking a look at um, old classic car ads, both domestic and foreign, that have some type of downhill skiing in it. And if you really look at it, it's kind of it's really kind of a, a, a romantic scene in some of these and I'm kind of stoked to look at it and I'm going to talk a little bit about how um, some of the new car companies, especially with the surgeons and off-road themed vehicles coming out now i would love to see some skiing brought back into the advertisements so let's hopefully we get some to see if you can break it down between the rockies versus the alps (laughs) yeah and some of the and some of that is very you know i feel like some of that would be definitely easy to do but there's some where you're like oh i don't know what mountain that is you know (laughs) um it's snow covered who can tell exactly as long as yeah so that's that's the thing i'm working on right now and i'm excited about it um and then one of the things I wrote last year that I was pretty proud about is I did kind of a a, um, a personal account of getting my Takata airbag fixed in my Sabaru, um, where I actually like went into the shop and saw like the recalled airbag inflator, and um, you know I just felt so inspired to write that post because I hope that people read it and they're like I need to go get mine fixed because it's such a deadly issue that I think is extremely underrated right now. Um, yeah, it's, so, yeah in, it's important. They're, it's interesting that you talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. They actually, someone did one here in Australia, but because we're, again, like you guys, such a vast country, they actually mm-hmm. had to have people go to rural areas that were not close to a mechanics and actually took mechanics out to go and really? find these cars in rural areas to go and find the cars, do the airbag switch and all that sort of stuff. So it's interesting. Um, Just like on the spot. Yeah. Literally wow. took the took the parts and everything to find the cars because all the manufacturers have had to check where all these cars are mm-hmm. and find them and and trace down the owners and stuff like that. So they knew that we were a couple in areas where it, it, it's not easy to drive to a dealership, and so yeah. yeah, they were spending the time and money to get them fixed that way. Well, it's good that they're doing that because I mean these recalls are getting worse and worse. I swear every day I'm reading some new expansion about how now these call you know these cars have been recalled or, mm. um, you know I know in the the recalled airbag inflator in my car the replacement is now recalled. Yeah. So I have to go. What? So I have to go back and get a new and entirely. I've pretty much to do the same thing over again, which I'm gonna do obviously, but. Yeah, it's just scary, and I just, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had yours replaced, please go get it done as soon as you can, because it's just not worth the risk of driving nah. around. Not when it's that been not proven working. that it is a problem. Yeah, and it can yeah. kill you. It can and yeah. will kill you. And there's proof of so, it. We've had one or two deaths in Australia from it as well. It's scary stuff. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Did you, did you have to do it twice? Because didn't you just get... A new 92X? Like, yes, you do it with your that's, a gr- that's a great question. So I am on my second Sabaru, um, Saab 92X. I had a 2005 that I got about 233,000 miles on before I decided to uh, trade that one in for a new one. I got a 2006 with uh, 68,000 miles on it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is mint. It was garage kept. It is gorgeous, and it's sitting out in the snow right now, which is sad. Um, but yeah, I love it. I've, uh, I've never really would have thought I would own two Sabarus, especially considering they made them for two years. Um, it's kind of a rare car, but it is the best vehicle I've ever owned. It's perfect for my outdoor hobbies and the lifestyle I live. It gets great, gets great gas mileage. It's easy to work on. 
Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I did have that airbag replaced. So that would mean this would be the third time I'm getting third my time. my Takata airbag replaced. <laughs> wow, unbelievable! Thank you Does for that have, that. What <laughs> engines in that one of yours? So they came with a turbo two liter and then a naturally aspirated two point five. I have the two point five, so it's slow, but it handles well. It's fun, and I've never gotten stuck with the all wheel drive in the snow, which is good. The two point five is good. I had an Impreza RS with that mm-hmm. same engine in it. Same same exact engine, and it's it's I love it. It guzzles oil after a while. Once you know, if you get up there in mileage and your head gaskets start to leak a little bit, um, but you know, right now it's 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 bulletproof. I mean, it's, mm. it's fantastic car best car i've ever owned so which it is your adventure mobile it is my adventure mobile which i think leads us right into robbie around the world. <laughs> yeah so i uh have a travel blog um called robbie around the world and i've had it for coming up on 10 years now um when i was a junior in college i spent six months living abroad in vietnam and use that as a way to communicate with my friends and family back home, but also like share with the world like what Vietnam was like. Because you know, as Americans, we all had this like, you know, this really inaccurate idea of like it not being a great place to be. So I wanted to use that blog as a method to tell people, hey, this is a beautiful country. Hey, this is a safe country. These people are incredibly friendly. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a little project that turned into something that I just like to do for fun now um i like talking about trips i kind of do it in a travelogue sense where i like kind of write a write a diary and like kind of put some pictures in there and um you know i talk about everything from spending two weeks in iceland alone to visiting state and national parks um there's like an occasional like op-ed piece where i talk about public lands because i'm a big advocate for public lands um <laughs> and yeah i just i love it i use it as a way to get to to you know set aside some time each week to be creative uh but also as a method to hopefully encourage people to like get outside and see some of the beautiful parks that we have in this country because they could use the help well and that's that's where like i think where i immediately jump in with you is like wisconsin is known for being pretty outdoors Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kansas isn't really but like some of the trips we've taken with the land cruiser like it is still pretty it's just a different type of pretty mm-hmm. it's a different and the the one that you uh the park that you went to in south dakota um badlands what was that no not the badlands or was it maybe north dakota well i did so south dakota has the two national parks in south dakota are uh badlands national park and then once you go a little more west into the black hills there's wind cave national park um, and then North Dakota has Teddy Roosevelt National Park. Um, Which ones? It, okay, so on our notes mm-hmm. in your best 4x4 experience, you have Buffalo Gap. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So there, uh, there's a national grassland. So in, in the U.S. we have national parks, national forests, recreation areas, monuments, but then there's also national grasslands. Um, and Just to be while confusing. They may not, it is, it is. It does get a little bit confusing. <laughs> oh, um, it's what happens when the government does yeah, it. Yeah, and, and some of them are run by the National Park Service. Some of them are run by the National Forest Service, National Wildlife, uh, National Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, but one of my favorite off-roading adventures I ever did was in South Dakota at a place called Buffalo Gap National Grassland. Um, my girlfriend and I, two summers ago, 
took a week and visited Badlands and Wind Cave and a couple spots in the Black Hills. And um, as we were leaving Badlands National Park, uh, we had read about a free place to camp. Um, there's a great resource, by the way. It's called freecampsites.net, I believe, and it gives you an idea of all the free public lands places you can camp. Um, and like, it's 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 almost like uh, imagine like Yelp, but for free campsites for like dirt bagging and four by fouring and off overlanding. It's a, we'll see if we can put that in the podcast notes. But um, we found this Buffalo Gap National Grassland, which actually borders Badlands National Park to the north of it. So it's just on the other side of the park. Um, okay. And we wanted to check it out. And, you know, I... Would, it, so does that make it closer to 80? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, oh, I think that's 90. I-90? I 90. Yeah, 90. 90. Um, yeah, 90. It's right south of 90, if that makes sense. Okay. So you have to go through Buffalo Gap first to get to Badlands National Park. Okay. Um... But yeah, I did some research on it and wanted to check it out, and we left Badlands National Park, and um, we were driving down one of the roads, and Buffalo Gap was on the right. We literally got to a, uh, a, a wire fence, because on a lot of national grasslands and national forests, they allow grazing, so there's like cattle being grazed. Um, so we looked at the map, because I had a topographic map with me, and found that this was the right spot, and we literally got out grabbed a wire fence and pulled it back drove through got out shut the fence so that you know cows and stuff wouldn't get out um but yeah and then we drove into this like big 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 grassland you know nothing was paved it was all off-road kind of just like more like a four service like two-track road um but you know this adventure movie is bouncing around and like i got a car i had a big yakima cargo box on top that's bouncing around um, but we ended up spending a night camped on a ridge overlooking um, Buffalo Gap National Grassland and Badlands National Park. And it is, it still to this day remains the best place I've ever pitched a tent. And it was absolutely just breathtaking. Um, we, saw the, we saw the best sunset we've ever seen. Uh, it was just incredible. And I would really encourage if you have not been to a national grassland or you've you know overthought it because most people we want to go to national parks but national grasslands offer just as amazing of an experience as a national park does and you should definitely try and get to one if you can at some point yeah you know i always come back to you don't always have to go on these epic adventures you don't always have to get to the rockies like just literally get out where you are Mm -hmm. And you're gonna find something great. And at your, you're you're hundred percent right. Um, and a lot of it is just right in your backyard. You know, like most states have amazing state park systems. And if you have a state park that's within, you know, an hour drive of your house that you haven't been to, do it justice. Go check it out. Go hike there. You know, I mean a lot of these state parks are just as beautiful and exciting as the national parks. Essentially, they're just tiny, tiny, tiny little national parks just run by a state organization. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, just get out and explore. So your worst 4x4 experience is the next thing on there. Oh, man. Being someone who has a 2013 Highlander. Oh, yeah. Too close. I'm sorry. So it wasn't a 2013 Highlander. It's a 2003 Highlander. When I was a uh, sophomore in high school, 
Um, my best friend John, his mom had a front-wheel drive Highlander. We were up in Door County, Wisconsin, which is a peninsula uh, on the eastern side of the state. Just beautiful area, like all coastal towns and forests and beaches. Um, we went up there in January, and we were driving around one night on some like kind of gravelly roads on his property, and we went down a hill, and I was 15, he was 16. We were both pretty young when it came to car things, I guess you could call it. Um, but we went down this very, very steep hill, and we could not get back up. So, <laughs> you know, we're sitting there flooring it, trying to get back up, and the Highlander would just slide down. Floor it, slide down. It was just, it was a disaster, and it was probably three degrees outside. It was snowy. It was at... For whatever reason, we were out there at 10 o'clock at night. Um, but I remember we just kept trying and trying, and then we went back, and a couple hours later came back, and we were just like, all right, we're going to get this out of here. So here we are grabbing sticks and tree branches and throwing it down. I, I think we lost a couple floor mats that disappeared into the woods <laughs> that night. Um, but we eventually got it up, and I just remember when we brought the truck back up to his parents' house, their cabin, his dad just like railed into him, and I don't think I've ever heard. I've <laughs> sure. never, I don't think I've ever heard his dad yell that hard before. But that was probably my worst almost four by four experience because it's a four by two, so we'll call it an almost four by four. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it was off, uh, it was off like, tarmac. So yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, sweet. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, coming up? Anything you got planned? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I am unfortunately having a pretty extensive knee surgery done in a couple weeks, so that's kind of put some trips on hold. But I am At hopefully at thirty. Yeah, shit, I know. I got hit by a couple. I got hit by a car a couple of years ago and have some pretty bad bone damage that needs to get addressed. But um, uh, okay, I'm hoping this. At least it's not genetic damage. No, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'm hoping this summer to me and a couple of friends have a trip planned to Great Smoky Mountains National Park uh, down in North Carolina. Um, so I've never been there before. I've always gone. I've always been drawn to go out west to like Utah or Colorado or Nevada. Um, so I'm really, really eager to go explore this different part of the country. Um, so that's like the next big backpacking trip. And then... Uh, probably a couple weekend camping trips at some state parks here in Wisconsin. Um, my girlfriend and I usually like to go camping once a month during the summer and make glorious s'mores and good food. And uh, yeah, just trying to be outside as much as I can. But we need to get think the, Robbie around the world out to Australia. I think. I I would love that. Maybe if uh, one of the Australian car makers listening could sponsor a trip <laughs> up there, or we could pick there up aren't some. Any left? Are no, there? not anymore. Oh, sad. sad. <laughs> I'll get out there at some point. I do really want to get to Australia. Um, it's been on my bucket list. Uh, but I think the next like international destination is I really want to get to the Faroe Islands, um, which are a Danish set of islands off the coast of Denmark, about three mi- three hours west of Denmark, I believe. Yeah, is that like where that. they do... That right. They have that... Wa- um, the guys from Sea Shepherd went out there to, to prevent the whaling. I think it was. Maybe they might. If it have. is, they're stunning, amazing. Yeah, it, it looks it looks absolutely heavenly. Um, Iceland's still my favorite place I've traveled to, and I think about it every day. But uh, the Faroe Islands look pretty similar to Iceland in terms of like terrain, but obviously like a lot smaller. 
Um, so that's once I renew my passport, which I am way overdue on. Uh, that's hopefully on my bucket list to get out there at some point soon. So when you when you talk about like always headed west, I think part of that's our like Midwest educations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they talk about like literally like there was the Monroe Doctrine and like all of the pioneer like because I have zero push to go back to the east. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Like, like and and I've been to the Smoky Mountains before. Like I've seen four bears. Oh, like I don't yikes. I'd only ever seen two. Yeah. When I went to the Smoky Mountains and I saw a mom and three bear cubs. Oh no! In in one sitting. Oh god terrifying oh jeez. <laughs> especially because i was around people who didn't know what we were looking at i was like we need to move i understand they're small and that she's relatively small but she's gonna get pissed like yeah. we need to move and she will eat you <laughs> yes like she'll she'll make she'll end you like mm-hmm. and I, but i think you're right a hundred percent i'm with you like i if when i'm talking about even like going down to south texas like was it uh Big Bend, yeah. Big Bend, like they're, yeah. like they're amazing parks south of me. Mm-hmm. But like, no, my immediate go west. push would always be to go west. And I think I think a lot of that's that sense of just freedom you get going out west. I mean, like you read some like Edward Abbey's books, or, um, you know, like Into the Wild with Chris McCandless. You know, he found himself going yeah. west, and not that I advocate going to hike at that hike out to that bus in Alaska because I actually just read that some I think it was like some Italian tourists had to get medevaced out of there because they got yeah, lost really? yeah. yeah there's been a few um, like every I think they say every summer or something they have to actually evacuate people out yeah which is just scary See, yeah for me it was uh, Norman Norman McLean and a river runs through it Ooh. and some of the other stuff that he wrote okay. that that got me I don't know I think it was in high school mm-hmm mm-hmm I saw the horrible Brad Pitt movie and then read the book. <laughs> Which actually, speaking of uh, outdoorsy movies uh, coming out, there's uh, Jack London's Call of the Wild, which is, uh, I think, out in theaters right now. with Harrison with Harrison Ford? Ford? Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm excited see, to I, see that. I've read the book, but then I heard the dog is all CGI. Oh, no! Really? Yeah, that that was my immediate reaction, too. I was How like, does what? That I, work? I don't know. That's baloney. Yeah. Go back and watch the trailer now, and it might like you might be able to like see the difference. I think you like, can now that you mention it. Oh God, that's sad. Yeah, that makes me sad. Yeah. So what's going on with you, Chris? What's new in uh, in Chris Land? And uh, I... so we we don't have to get into the entire personal update here, uh, but I had to clean the Land Cruiser because I take the dog to work with me every day, mm-hmm. and it had been probably six to eight weeks since I'd vacuumed it out. I literally think I pulled out an entire dog of hair <laughs> out of the Land Cruiser. Like, I had to change the vacuum bag a couple times. Oh, it's pretty gross. God. Do you, do you have, like, a uh, shop vac or something? Are you just, like, yeah, yeah, sucking it up? Shop okay. vac. And then uh, I like to use the uh, local car wash vac if I can uh, <laughs> use theirs instead of mine. <laughs> Oops. Uh, but Ross and I were talking, uh, was that last show or the show before, uh, that we're we're probably moving on from our V8 Forerunner. Uh, it's possibly going to Ross. He he needs to have some discussions with his significant other. Uh, if not, it'll go out onto the open market. And we'll see what we can get for it. There but, was um, lots of discussion happening in the chat about it, so I think he, he was pretty keen. <laughs> I saw a whole lot of yeah, photos were, flying through and stuff. So 
You know, I think he wants to get back yeah. into it again. I mean, art has been fun, but I think he misses having <laughs> something I other. I think he than misses the, uh, having a proper, like, off-road. He needs another Stormtrooper. Oh, yeah, except this one's all silver, and it's a limited, so, like, it's not exactly, like, go beat up mode, because mm-hmm. it's still in really good shape. Um, but just, it only has five seats. Mm. There are, at a minimum, if the entire family goes, six of us. If we're, my mother-in-law goes with the two, there's seven of us. So we need something that can at least seat seven. So Chevy Suburban definitely is the front runner. But then I started researching a little more, and Ford made an extended expedition from, like, 2012 to like 2017 mm-hmm. I feel like um, and it's it's interesting like they're literally only a tenth of a liter different mm-hmm. like it's the Chevy's a 5.3 the Ford's a 5.4 but then like I was reading on like Edmonds and they're like man the Expedition just doesn't have it like it doesn't have the, the pull mm-hmm. and I was like the Chevy has 10 more horsepower but the Ford has 30 more pound feet at 400 RPM less like I don't understand I'm not. I have to drive them both. I guess. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You got to really feel the Ford's probably a little bit nicer looking. I reckon too. Uh, they're pretty similar. Uh, they almost look like their dimensions are almost the exact mm. same. I think the Chevy's two inches longer, but then the Ford is an inch taller. But they're the exact same width. Um, you give up a little bit of cargo space in the Ford. Uh, the Suburban's like 45.8 cubic feet to 42.6 in the Ford. It just, my wife is going to be the primary driver of it because the Forerunner's hers. So we really, what it's going to come down to is which one does she like? As much fun as I would want to have something to say there, it's really going to depend on her. Are you not interested in a Sequoia? So the issue with the Sequoia is that it has the third row seat, mm-hmm. but then like the max cargo space you can get behind mm. it is like 20 cubic, 22 cubic feet. And when you're packing four kids worth of stuff to head to the mountains, that's not going to do it. I mean, that my friend I is need, when you need a cargo box. <laughs> I need two cargo, two boxes. cargo boxes. <laughs> hey, that would look, that would and look a trailer. super badass and a trailer. <laughs> yeah. Which I'd, I'm I'm pretty enamored with like a like a, a teardrop styled camper trailer. Mm, like I'm, yes, it's on it's on my list of like I think I have to build it just because I can't afford. Like I'm gonna spend the amount of money to buy the suburban and the expedition that is the trailer's brand new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like so that's just kind of where we're at now. I it's a bit of a stalemate just until I can get her in either of the vehicles. I think there's actually one of the local dealers that has a, a suburban of their correct vintage, the expedition XL. And I think they even have like an 08 or an 11 Sequoia. Mm-hmm. So I can at least get her in all three. She can tell me which one she wants. I'm still, I'm still going to be like, Hey, what about that Toyota Sienna? Like, can we just, I was going to say, I mean, van time is always good. I will always recommend a minivan to a family over an SUV. Um, yeah, and reasons. we just spent a week in Florida with a Pacifica. And it's so and, good. And it worked. It did everything we needed it to do. She just doesn't like it. Mm. Mm. And I can't I can't make her like something. Well, she's she probably used to the height. Right. Like, the height difference coming out of the Forerunner and getting into... Mm-hmm. I mean, once you've had something like that... Um, 
and you've just set me off on a tangent and I've just seen there's a <laughs> picture of a 2018 Sequoia towing a NASCAR truck, um, which I just happened to find on the site. I was like, why do I not have these in Australia? Why can we not get Sequoias in Australia? Because I understand the, the demand for the truck, uh, the ute, but I don't know why we don't get these things because they are like really cool. Yeah. They're, they're kind of odd looking. Yeah, they're a weird. They're kind of like a Tacoma at the front, but then they have, you know, four doors and lots of space. And yeah, this um, picture is like really cool. <laughs> Sequoia with a with a with the NASCAR yeah. truck. You have to send me that one. I want to. I want to put that one up. Um, my dad, when he was looking for a new car, drove a Sequoia years ago, and I can remember he used to have a, a Yukon XL. He had a, like an O three Yukon XL, and mm-hmm. the, just the the door thickness of the sequoia like from the outside skin to the interior side it was so thick Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that i think that it was a weird thing that but that was what turned him off to that truck like and he also didn't need it because all of the kids were out of the house and we didn't have four grandkids yet (laughs) (laughs) when i was in high school i my first paid job was actually at a toyota dealership as a detailer and a lot boy um, and I remember one of the service oh, writers. What's, what's had, a lot boy? <laughs> what's a lot boy? <laughs> like like a porter, a guy who moves. Yeah, cars around. you know, like uh, a lot boy is like you know, if say you come in for an oil change, like we're the ones that like you know put the seat cover over your seat and drive uh, around okay. the back and then lot detail boy. it. I've never heard that and, term before. That's hilarious. Yeah, they don't they don't get to do anything important. They just move stuff. You're pretty much like the dealership slave. Um, but I mean, it was, it was cool. I was 16. It was a good way to pay for stupid mods on my now not running Camaro. And, um, but it was neat. Cause I remember a service writer had a, uh, Sequoia of that era. So that would have been like a, I don't know, like a 2005, whatever the, yeah, like a 2005, 2004, yeah, yeah. the first gen. first gen Sequoia. Um, and he had a blower on it. Oh, he yeah. had a supercharger. A blower. Yeah. He That's had a supercharger cool. on it. And I didn't believe it at first, and I remember his name was Scott, and he, like, handed me the keys, and I, like, went and took it out on the road behind our dealership, and, oh, my God, that thing hauled. <laughs> God. And those engines are, they're great. Like, yeah. Other than timing belt water pump every 90,000 miles, like, it's going to work. They're bulletproof. You cannot, it's the same reason why you cannot destroy, like, a Tacoma or a Tundra. You cannot destroy a Sequoia. Mm. There's nothing will kill it. Nope. So, anyway, that's the world of seven-seat full-size SUVs <laughs> that we're looking at. The, for the longest time, I've just only been looking at Suburbans, and I found uh, an Expedition like extended in our price range the other day, and I sent it to her, and all of a sudden she was like, I like that way better in the Suburbans. And I was like, well, that's <laughs> everything. Like, that's my things easier. It's my things harder. Well, and, of course, then I started looking nationwide for Expedition DLs, mm. and there's course there's like one up in montana like they it's the it's got low miles it's the right price uh it's an okay color but like they didn't post any pictures with it so like i, I want to know what it looks like <laughs> it's if it's terrible uh then i won't get it but of course he's like oh yeah we, we respond quickly to questions i was like what about second row captain's chairs and that was like 15 hours ago and i haven't heard from mm. the guy. oh god so Jeez. yeah 
So uh, we didn't include an off-road hack or tip last week because Ross and I spent an hour and 20 minutes talking about everything off-road that we had owned. <laughs> uh, we had to establish the baseline at some point, so we did that last week. Uh, so our tech tip from last week is when you're desperate, you can throw a towel or a floor, floor mat over your winch cable or toe strap to hopefully when it snaps, not rise up and kill everybody, even though it's, if it snaps hard enough. It's not gonna matter, oh, but God. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Ross's tip. I don't I don't know. <laughs> mm. So yeah, that's I think that's all we got this week. We're definitely gonna Robbie's gonna come back. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about Iceland. Mm-hmm. The fact that Ross and I are both headed there this year, we have to pick his brain. <laughs> are you going at the same? Joel tags along. Are you going at the same time? Or are you going different times? You two. Uh, we're going different times. Okay. He and and Sam are, are going to have a more uh, romantic trip. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be the third wheel for that. And I'm actually, uh, my dad uh, wanted to go see the Northern Lights. And uh, my mom was like, no, thank you. And I immediately raised my hand and volunteered to go. Yeah, I, I, you're Robbie's face right now. <laughs> was immediately what my, it's like, you're not, you're not going to do this? Robbie, here's the better part. Uh, he asked me to look up tours, and so I just looked up Northern Lights Tours, the mm-hmm. first result, Arctic Trucks. I sent it to him. He went, sure, let's do that. Oh. So I'm pretty sure uh, we're spending at least three to four days with a Toyota Hilux and 44s. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And Our, yeah. our, our uh, Iceland episode of this podcast is going to be pretty fun, uh, so make sure you tune into that. We'll be talking about hot dogs and lifted 4x4s and amazing landscapes and all sorts of travel tips for iceland and you will find out why i said hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the automotive darling the jimny mm, i want to even though it's an older one but still mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and we should also do an episode two at some point where we have um joel pronounce concept car names too <laughs> we'll have to come up with a list yeah you can save up a list and i can come come back on and do that for sure I would pay to see that. That would be fantastic. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite Mighty Car Mods uh, videos is them in Japan having a Japanese person pronounce Japanese car names. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Like there's an A in Mazda that we know, like we don't pronounce, but they do. It's like Mazda. Mazda. Like Mazda. 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 I haven't heard that one. Mazda. Yeah. Wow. Joel, do you, Joel, do you pronounce is because uh, I used to work with a guy that was from Australia, and he said. Um, Mazda. Mazda? Yeah. Mazda. Is that just a... How, okay. That's how we say Just how they talk. Okay. He was... Because he said it very... He was like, Mazda. A Mazda RX-8. I was like... Yeah, it depends on where he's from. Okay. That might have a lot to do with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly where it was Western from. Western suburbs of so. Sydney, perhaps, maybe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a particularly not great neighborhood? No, no. It's just more the way they probably say Mazda there than they would... <laughs> I <laughs> would have the rest of us say it. I just laugh whenever, like, all the Americans just say Miata, Mazda Miata. Like, for us, it's an MX-5. It's it's, it's quite funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Although they say Porsche script. or Nikon, you know, just weird stuff that yeah. is just not, just different for us. What would, Ni- well, what would they- Nikon be? It's Nikon. Really? Yeah, that's how we say it in Australia. <laughs> oh, interesting. It's a short eye versus the yeah. long eye. Wow, I need to get to Australia. Mm, you do. <laughs> Is Canon different? No, Canon's the same. 
It's just yeah, the way they say say Nikon. Well, it's the same same number of letters, so I don't know how it can be yeah. different. <laughs> who knows? I worked for Nikon for five, three or four years, and mm-hmm. was always just said it as Nikon. We never really pronounced it any other way. So, yeah, but it's cool. Just on, I forgot to add it to the news the, to add in. But there's talk with the the Holden closure here in Australia. We'll basically be you know, there'll be nothing coming. We won't be getting anything from GM. Effectively, the only thing they're talking about is, is maybe the Corvette still, but they're talking about going down a Chevrolet specialist vehicle thing like HSV are already bringing hmm. in the Camaro and the Silverado. But there's talk now that it may open up um, the Tahoe and the Suburban, the current gen. So really? we might wow. start seeing those, yeah. Same sort of thing. So brought it, brought in, purchased as a left-hand drive in the US and then brought here and done the full factory con- or conversion here but the fact that the relationship may open up now because they'd be interested in still bringing product here but not having a, a dealership support network like they currently do but yeah there was an article i read the other day that was talking about suburban and tahoe possibly coming so that could be quite interesting wow that's really yeah, interesting huh. it's very interesting so, so when i when i worked at the pickup truck parts company we would send containers of classic Chevy and Ford parts to Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 They like their trucks. Oh, yeah. They love that sort of stuff. And um, even now, like, you know, the guys that are doing, uh, like, the Dodge Ram is the biggest seller for the guys that do the conversion of Camaros and stuff like that. That's their biggest market is bringing in Rams and stuff like that. And then um, the bigger... Uh, F350s and 250s and stuff like that as well so hmm. that high high dollar I think it's a high margin but but mm-hmm. yeah uh, the higher end stuff is, it- is, is there is a market for them there's the the primary producers and farmers and those sort of guys particularly in sort of Queensland and stuff like that there's a massive market for it is it the import tax is if you buy it used uh Oh man, I can't remember this. I used to understand how Australian import laws worked on on vehicles, and I can't remember. But like, new—if you bought a new vehicle in Australia, it was more expensive than importing a used vehicle from the states. To a certain degree, yeah, because there was a um, there's luxury car tax for one, um, which is anything over around that sixty five to seventy thousand dollar. There's luxury ta- car tax, but that was more to protect the local manufacturers but we don't have any now so they're hoping that that may disappear um but then yeah there's import taxes and stuff like that as well so yeah it it can be not the cheapest to bring stuff in so yeah we're gonna end on the most entertaining import tax laws ever (laughs) (laughs) so you can uh read uh all three of us on hooniverse.com uh, all of us are still producing some kind of content sometimes. <laughs> Even I've been a little slow lately. <laughs> Turns out running the podcast takes a lot of time. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can please rate and review us on iTunes where we don't rank for anything yet. But uh, even if we suck, just say something, mm-hmm. please. Let us know that <laughs> Yeah, let us know what we need to improve. <laughs> uh, and so follow Hooniverse on Twitter, The Hooniverse. Instagram is The Real Hooniverse. Uh, and then I am Twitter and Instagram at Overlanding Dad. Robbie? Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. Uh, and then you get to plug yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Robbie DeGraff. 
Just on Twitter? Just on Twitter. I dropped Instagram about 10 months ago, and I don't miss it a single bit. So okay. I am so just on Twitter. And Robbie tends to post unique car pictures that generally brighten your day. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mm-hmm. need to uh, <laughs> yeah keep a close eye on your account. Uh, you can get me at on all Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Joel Street Photo. Sweet. That is it this week. We are done. Ciao. Adios. <laughs> Actually, not adios. Let me think how we say goodbye in Wisconsin. It's fish fry time. <laughs> That's a new one for me. I haven't heard that one before. I like that. <laughs> you sent a little Cajun there at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay, completely random, not part of the show at all, but like, do you ever listen to The Dollop, Robbie? The Dollop? No. The Dollop. No. So... It's a podcast where it's two comedians. Uh, one of them knows the story he's about to tell from American history and sometimes world history. They have a, a they've done shows in Australia, Joel. Okay. Um, but one one of them is Dave Anthony. He knows what he's about to tell. The other co-host doesn't have a clue what he's about to hear. Hmm. And basic, and they're two stand-up comedians, so they basically crack jokes the whole way through. But they did an episode. Uh, on the Arcadians, which was a group of French people up in Canada that uh, did a really good job making dams and levees and made a wonderful land, and then the English showed up and kicked them all out. And they got transferred down to the American colonies. Same thing, dams and levees, and then the Americans kicked them all out, and they basically kept getting shuffled down the coast until they arrived in Louisiana, and they are the present-day Cajuns. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.